In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. It's February 11th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 28 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from Yarn Boot Camp. Uh, yes, we are. Because I am down to one skein of sock yarn. One skein of sock yarn, maggot! Drop and give me 20 stitches! Sir, yes, sir! Yeah. I want to see you increase your stash by four skeins! <laughs> sir, yes, sir! Yeah, we'll be talking more about increasing stash later. And decreasing, decreasing stash as well. <laughs> some of us are increasing, some of us are decreasing. Which might work out well <laughs> for the both of us. We'll meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But yes, more on that in a minute. Okay. So let's start with adventures in knitting. Adventures! You have accomplishments, so do you want to start first? Yes, linen stitch scarf is off of the needles. Yay! Damn! Oh lord almighty, did that take forever to cast off. Is it as wide as it's supposed to be? I did knit the extra rows to make it as wide as it's supposed to be. Now, whether <laughs> You didn't just say, screw it, No, I didn't. this is wide enough? I actually did knit the extra rows to make it as wide as it's supposed to be. Now, having said that, if we went and, and got it and measured it and it sprunged itself back to like probably two-thirds of its original width just to spite me, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you also would not care, though. No, I also would not care. <laughs> As far as you're concerned, it is D-O-N-E. Yes, it is. And it's actually, it's been used all week, and it's been very comfy, and yeah, it's done. <laughs> Which is the important thing. It is, oh my god. It, it is a lesson in meditation and repetition and persistence. There's probably something very zen, something very zen meditative lesson in there. Yes, but I didn't find it. And speaking of zen, meditative, and whatever... By the way, guys, I made orange stripe belt today! Yay! Cool! You can kick my ass even more now! <laughs> I can kick my... I am very relieved I have not kicked my own ass in quite a while. Well, I imagine it, to get that far in Taekwondo, yes, kicking your own ass would be a bad thing. When you're trying out new kicks and you manage to sweep yourself off the floor, I, it's, it's pretty impressive. So yeah, Taekwondo, I am now orange stripe belt. Rock on! Love it. Yay! Okay. Congratulations! He, I was so... Actually, and this is very knitting related, husband gave me the best preparation possible today. Mm -hmm. He let me sleep in, mm -hmm. and he took the elfling and left. That sounds like a good idea. I woke up to, din to breakfast already made, pancakes, mm -hmm. and coffee, and I had the house to myself until my testing. That I, sounds like a plan. I zenned out with tea and knitting. Sounds good to I me. I totally zenned out before my testing. <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm going to demand one of those every time I test. And occasionally other weekends. Yeah, well, occasionally, yeah. <laughs> Makeup tests. Oh, yeah, I got I to gotta do the, the orange polka dot best belt <laughs> test today. I got to do the uh, purple belt of sex test. <laughs> We're getting to that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the linen stitch is done. I have only done, like, one and a half repeats of the Watson. And the reason being is because it's my traveling project. It's what goes with me in my purse. And I knit, knit it when I'm waiting or when I can't. And I just mm -hmm. haven't had those opportunities this week. However, my amused sweater with the Madeleine Tosh has gotten lots of attention. And I'm so Ooh. happy with it. 
I can see why. It's like my favorite little covetous thing right now. Oh, it's so soft. I know. Squish, squish. And I have been trying it on because it is top down. So I have finished pretty much the yoke, which for anybody who's not familiar with that term, it's around the neckline, the caps of the sleeves, and knitting downwards. So I've just covered the bust area. So mm -hmm. I am able to try it on as I go. And you've just gotten past the part where you... Join Amused has the two has a sort of V neckline, yeah, but it looks like basically two portions that come together and then overlap, yeah, and then go down sort of like a, a placket. And you've just gotten to the point where you've joined the placket, right? In this cable pattern, and the top is still on its waist yarn, so that eventually when I go back to it and I pull out this yarn and the stitches will be live, I'll be able to knit that big, big collar, collar, yeah. yeah. And it's soft and squishy, and it's knitting up so fast. And I love it. Squish, squish. So you might have a sweater soon. Damn right. I, I was actually kind of worried that I wasn't... By the time I finish a sweater, it was going to be June. <laughs> That's just the way things happen. Yeah, I don't think you need to worry about that. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to have... I think I'm bitten by the sweater bug because I was knitting this, and I'm going, oh, what am I going to do next? Oh, yeah, I still have the cascade for the Evendim that I've got to cast on. Yes, you do. And I think I need to try a sweater and another weight yarn. I think I need to try something in sport or fingering next. We'll go with the sport. Yeah, let's do the sport. And I'm just talking <laughs> to myself in my head. <laughs> Making all these crazy plans. Yeah, I know. My, cute, my, uh, my favorites and my cue just got a little bit bigger. Today. You know who you're talking to, right? I know who I'm talking to, but <laughs> you also know the absurdity that goes on in my head. Yes, we are evenly matched in that, well, maybe not evenly, but, you know, well matched in that area. Yes, just on opposite sides of, we are bipolar, it's just we each sit at either end of the poles. Yeah, we are the odd couple. I don't know how I'm going to go to Cascade after knitting with Madeline Tosh. Cascade is nice in its own right. Yeah, and it will be a different color. I presume I'll be happy to see blue by the time I'm finished with this. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, so I have been working mainly on two things. I've been working on my spring forward socks that you haven't heard about for a couple weeks, mainly because I want those needles to do my second Watson sock. So I have finished the second spring forward sock. I just need to graft the toe, which I don't count as not being done. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's done other than that one little bit. But and you still these need the... to graft it in order to have those needles. Yes, but that'll take like a couple minutes. Anyway. We've all said that, haven't we? Yes, we have. And just for recap, that's the... The spring forwards are in Nitty from a couple years ago, I think. Yeah, they've been around for a little while. And I'm doing those in Tannis Fiber Arts in the meadow colorway, I believe it is. Ooh. It's one of the discontinued okay, um, okay. multicolor ones. I didn't bring them with me because my bag is small and I was like, yeah, I'm done. Bring something else. So yeah, so I want to get the, those needles so I can start the second Watson sock because the first Watson sock is on the leg. I it have is, like a couple inches so of leg. It is so pretty and it is tiny stitches of doom. Damn. I wouldn't call that tiny stitches of doom. Not as tiny as some of the other okay. socks I have. Like the never-ending stockinette Zauber ball socks. But yeah, so I'm on the leg of that one, and I've split up... What I usually do is I have a small scale, and when I'm winding a 100-gram skein of yarn, I'll wind it up into one big ball, and then I'll put the big ball down, start winding from off that ball, and then I'll weigh the big ball occasionally to see how heavy it is. And so I, I basically try and split the yarn into two balls of roughly the same size. But it's never really exact. And I'm sure I will get far enough on the leg 
and have enough yarn left over that it won't really matter for each one. But I'd like to start the second ball of yarn just so I don't knit this one really long and then find out I don't have enough on the second ball. Because it was sort of rough and I was sort of, I think one, there is one ball that has a, a little bit more than the other. This color reminds me of pesto. The dark green. Yes, with a little flecks of lighter green in it. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really brown in some lights. I mentioned before, this is the Madeline Tosh sock in the green with envy colorway from the loopy you constellation sock club so i don't know if it's a colorway that's actually available also known as maggie's pesto and it looks really brown in some lights and really really green in some lights yeah i mean the walls in my studio are crimson red so yeah that'll be affecting the green that's in the sock yeah and i don't know what kind of lighting it looks like incandescent or no fluorescent compact fluorescent but yeah so it's coming along very well and i would like to start the second one and then yesterday and today I've been doing a little yarn dyeing, Ooh. finally, because I had a couple days off, and I'm like, I should really do that. And I did one skein last night and one today, because I'm basically just doing it in the crock pot. And uh, I don't know if, well, I know one of them is definitely staying with me. The other one very well might be. But the one I did yesterday, I was intentionally going for a kind of dark, rich, plummy purple, mainly because... There is a certain shirt that Benedict Cumberbatch wears in Sherlock, which the fans have call, started calling the purple shirt of sex. Mainly because he looks very fine in that <laughs> shirt. So I was going for, and I think I got an approximate color match to that. Okay. So now I have the purple shirt of sex yarn. Or the purple yarn of sex. Hey. <laughs> It's still drying, so I still need to see how dark it actually is. Uh -huh. But where I hung the skein, it's sort of, it only feels a little damp. And so it looks like it'll be, at least it'll be a very nice, rich, rich plummy color. purple. So I'm very happy with that one. <laughs> and that one will probably be staying with me. The other one I did today, I had some leftover green from a while ago. And I was like, oh, I'll just make up some blue and... Start dumping the green in until I get a nice color. And then pour that in. Okay. So I've got sort of a, a very blue with a slightly tealy What are you going to call that one? It. I don't know. Oh, okay. That's a weird name. I'll wait till... <laughs> <laughs> I'm high on adrenaline, dude! I'm probably going to wait and see what it looks like when it's dry. Okay. And then decide, A, if I'm keeping it, and B, what I'll call it. And the reason I say I'm not sure if I'm keeping it is because I am destashing a whole bunch of stuff. Burp, burp, burp. Listen up, Knitting World. Karen is de-stashing. Yes, de-stashing. I have an entire bag, big tote bag full of yarn that I am de-stashing. I brought it to Knit Night this last night, this last week, and there was only a few people there, so I'm going to bring it again. At some point, whatever's left, I'll probably put on my Ravelry stash page and, you know, mark it as de-stash. Okay. And tell people in the listener world just to have at if they'd like. Okay. But I'm selling it off for cheap, so... Because I kind of just need to get it out of my house. Plus, that way I have room for more yarn. <laughs> Though not for a while. I, I'm not going to, like, you know, sell off, like, ten skeins of yarn and go up by twelve immediately. But There's half of me saying, why not? Because that would be defeat the purpose. Unless it was the twelve skeins that you wanted. Well, if it's the twelve skeins, well, yeah, but I already have tons of yarn that I want. All the stuff that I'm not distashing. Which, as I mentioned on Knit Night the other night, I'm not sure what's sadder, you know, the size of the bag of stuff that I'm getting rid of, or the, the size of my stash, even with that stuff taken out. <laughs> okay. I have a fair bit. I don't have... See, like, I hear a lot of people talk about, like, size of their stash and mention, like, how much yarn they have, and I'm like, damn, okay, I don't have that much. But I do have quite a lot. 
you, quite a bit. You would sustain yourself during the zombie apocalypse and last for at least a couple of weeks, well into maybe some months before starting to get um, a need. I was thinking more like years. All right, zombie apocalypse at Karen's house. You know, now, okay, maybe if there was zombie apocalypse, I wouldn't be working. So, you know, I would have a lot more time to knit. Right. So. And we would have to knit. My, my any, rate of output would come. We would have to knit any replacement clothes because we couldn't go out and get them. Well, then I'd be fucked. <laughs> Either that or I would, I would have the most Frankenstein clothes. Oh, yeah, I'm anticipating that. Because I have, and yeah, and I'd be totally screwed. Because I'd be knitting for myself in a plus size with my sock yarn stash, which is all fingering weight. And it'd be crazy Frankenstein-y clothes because I don't have two skeins that are the same, same color. Same color. <laughs> that could be interesting. We need more bandages to treat the wounded! I don't care. You're not getting me to knit bandages. Not the Malabrigo, no! You better be replacing an entire appendage if I'm knitting you a bandage of Malabrigo. But yeah, so that's pretty much what I've been up to in the world of knitting this week. I still... Well, and part of the reason I kind of want to finish the Spring Forward socks is because then I'll only have... Well, I do have a couple other things on the needles. But maybe once the Spring Forward socks are done and those are done, I will cast on Soctopus stuff. Because I'm fairly far along in the Watson stuff, too. Yes, you are. Well, fairly far along on one sock. I still need to start the second, but the second shouldn't take that long. You're, you're farther than I am, and yeah. you probably memorized the pattern by now. Oh, yeah, long ago. But, I mean, the, the pattern is pretty straightforward. I mean, you cross... The, the cables cross at the same two points. So basically, when you start the third little square from the bottom, you cross. And then when you, the first row of blank knitting at the top of the little arrow, you cross. All I have to do is remember that, and then have to remember to move yeah, the, the arrow out up. one stitch every two, two rows. rows. It's super easy, super memorizable. Yeah. It looks really nice, and I cannot wait to have these two wear on my feet. And you're liking the Madeline Tosh sock? Oh, yes. I mean, I love anything with that sort of yarn base, uh -huh. but I really like the colors of this one. I just love the, the sort of subtle shifts in color. But yes, yeah, so that's me for this week. So, shall we move on to, into Geek Squee? Geek Squee! Squee! So, do you want to start off Geek Squee? <laughs> As if The Hobbit could not get any bit more epic from the sounds of things. It also now has Billy Connolly in the st in the cast. Oh my god. If you do not recognize the name Billy Connolly, you have probably seen him in several things or heard his voice. Anybody who has seen the Pixar trailer for Brave has heard his voice. Yes. He is the voice of Merida's father. Yeah. He hails from Scotland, so obviously has a very Glaswegian accent. Mm -hmm. And with his stand-up comedy is... Very much of, you know, sarc sarcastic arse. Yes. And he's happy with that. He says, that's who I am. Yeah. Deal with it. He is now also in The Hobbit as, and I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to get the name right, so please don't crucify me if I don't, Dian Ironfoot. Of... Well, the last name's easy enough. <laughs> well, the last name's easy enough. <laughs> Ironfoot. Yeah. The second cousin to Thorin Oakenshield, who is the leader of the dwarven group that basically hijacks Bilbo to go on this adventure. Yes. This is going to be interesting because Billy in real life is a giant of a man. He's tall and lanky. Mm -hmm. So for him to be turned into a dwarf, I mean, okay, yes, beard him up and whatnot. I mean, Billy already has a big white beard, but, you know, give him a dwarven-sized beard and yeah. armor and everything else. And then make him shorter and stouter. This is going to break my brain into two halves. <laughs> and just come dribbling out my ears. I mean, 
Either this movie is going to be totally, totally epic, or the universe is just going to implode in on itself. Those are the only two outcomes <laughs> I foresee. I'm predicting totally, totally epic. I really hope so. I Brain really splody epicness. I, I honestly didn't think it was going to live up to the hype that Lord of the Rings had made for itself. But it seems like Peter Jackson has gone, okay, now let's go farther. And the rest of us sitting And be in, even more awesome. And the rest of us sitting in movie world was going farther. What farther? We didn't know there was a farther. Lord of the Rings was, was epic when it came out. Like, it got every award that it was nominated for. Or some nonsense like that. We did not know there could be more awesome dished into this bowl. But apparently, it is to be so. So, really looking forward. To, we should so make a drinking game for The Hobbit. But I don't want to be sloshed when I... <laughs> we don't have to do it for the opening night. True. But when we get it, we need a drinking game. I was going to say, like, if we did, and if we did it with non-alcoholic stuff, I don't want to have to like leave to be like three <laughs> uh, three times during the movie. We'll figure something out. I will install a catheter if I have to. But I'm not <laughs> leaving that movie to pee. Okay. Too much information. But then, too, like, you also have to consider how long is the Hobbit going to be? Yeah, that's a point. That is. Do point. you want to make a drinking game of any kind for a movie that is possibly going to be more than two hours long? Well, they do it for the Star Wars series. Like, the original ones, not the Phantom Menace ones. Yeah, but those movies are still only, like, each movie is still only, like, what, two hours long or so? Yeah, but they watch them all in tandem. Drink every time an elaborately made-up alien has no lines. Oh, sweet God. You'd be under the table. Yeah. In five minutes. Yeah, especially with the cantina scene. But then Star Wars movies might improve while drunk. Ah! I mean, Luke, Luke seems like a set less of a whiny little bitch. <laughs> speaking of Star Wars. Yeah, and speaking of cantina scenes. Yeah. Yeah, apparently... One of the things that's been all over the geek world on the internet this week is George Lucas has come out and said, has answered the age-old question that Greedo shot first. Come on. I'm like, why do I care? Yeah. Oh, wait, I don't. I, <laughs> really, like... You, could, you couldn't have just left it? I know! Like, the part of the, part of the whole fun of it was the whole argument... And the jokes and the wearing t-shirts that says Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Yeah. That man. was, I mean, there are some things where, like, the mystery and the not knowing or the debate is actually more fun, really, than knowing. Yeah. And this is one of those things. I'm sorry, I like it if Han shot first. Yeah, the speculate and yeah, see, and that's the other thing, is, like, a lot of the fans like it in the version where Han shot first. Because- They like that thought because they like what that says about the character. Yeah, he's and an ass. But yeah, that, that's what that he's supposed and to be. It, and he's an anti-hero. Yeah. It makes him more of an anti-hero because usually traditional hero, you don't shoot unless someone else shoots at you first. Yes. And if they drop their weapon, you calmly offer them yours. Yes. And invite them to tea before the round ensues again. But then, too, I mean, it also sort of begs the question that, like, when does something become so entrenched in fanon? As in, you know, there's canon, which is the actual, the way that the creators have written it. And then there's fanon, which is the, the fan-created rules or fan-created version. Right. Or fan-created fill, gaps filled in. Like, when does it reach that point where, like, the fanon becomes so impermeable that it doesn't even matter what the creator says? That is not DEFCON, but delirium level, I think. Yeah. But that is what fanon is. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's still... I mean, that that's their fun. 
Yeah, I mean, fun. I mean, fanon is still is just the filling in the gaps and the the fun part. But I mean, there's even stuff. There's still stuff where like you know people make stuff up and then it gets changed by the creator or the creator actually mentions something which you know makes that not applicable anymore. But you still you don't get the the big no, I don't believe it. Han Shill's still shot first <laughs> that you do with some cases. But then in that case, it might be a, a thing of time. Yes, I mean people. Because I mean, it's been a long time since the first. Star Wars movie came out. The classics one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and all of those people are now probably parents raising their own little Star Wars geeklings. Yeah. But I mean, and this too, this too is one of those things. Like I said, there's always been that huge debate. There's the t-shirts, Han shot first. There's that whole, that, it has been raised to the sort of mythic level. And And in that case. I don't see them letting go of it either. Yeah, in that in that sort of situation where it has become that important to the fans, I don't see anything the creator says changing that. No, I don't either. But hey, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom mm-hmm. of fandom. Yeah, it's basically, like I said, you know, basically it's one of those things. It's like, Lucas, why'd you even bother? Yeah, you could have just told them that Han wore pink underwear. That would have been, you know, a lot more interesting. <laughs> you could just, it's one of those places where you could just stay, be coy and give people a non-answer. Or you could have waited until you, you know, past and like left it in an envelope for somebody to find and then they could always argue in that... your will right and then <laughs> by they... the way greedo shepherd but then the fans could argue that no he didn't actually do that an attorney slipped it in and then <laughs> then the arguments would continue <laughs> and they would cascade over each other about what the real story was until it becomes the holy grail of star wars fandom yeah star wars revolves entirely around that cantina Nothing else actually happens. <laughs> to hell with the force. Order me a beer. And speaking of mysteries of the universe. And actually, this is from someone in our Ravelry group. Uh, she goes by Zilla Latte on Ravelry. And she posted in our Found Something Awesome thread. This is, wow. I, I, can't, I don't even know if I can find the words to describe it. Because it's that awesome. It's called The Scale of the Universe 2. And it's at htwins.net slash scale two. And basically what it is, it's it's a it's a graphic with a little slider on the bottom. And it starts off at human scale, which sort of things that are, you know, about the proximate size of a human or, you know, smaller, but with a human shape there for, you know, imaginary sort of scale. And when you move the slider to the left, you start zooming in smaller. And when you move the slider to the right, you start zooming out larger so that you can see as you start zooming in, you start seeing the relative size of things compared to other things. So like the redwood tree really surprised me. Yeah. Like you see, if you start zooming out, you start seeing like, you know, football, the size of football field and it's or redwood tree or, and then Eiffel tower, Titanic, other things. And basically each of them are in little circles that are a unit of measurement. So it starts out with human, outside the one meter section. And then it starts zooming in. So you go to things that are like a decameter, I think it is, which is a tenth of a meter. Or, you know, centimeter, millimeter. And going smaller and smaller and smaller until like mites, bacteria. And you keep zooming in. So when the bacteria are large on your screen, there is something smaller underneath it. And you can start seeing like the relative size of these things compared to other things. And you can click on everything that you see to get extra little information about it. 
Yeah. And it also has points like smallest item that the human eye can see. Yep. Smallest that an optical microscope can see. Smallest that an electron microscope can see. And it's really neat as you zoom in and get to smaller and smaller things to like neutrons and positive and negative ions and other things. It eventually gets to a point where it's like, it says everything after this point is theoretical. We cannot measure it. It has not actually, it cannot actually be measured with current technology. And that's when you look at the screen and you go, dude, wow. And the same thing when you're zooming out, it shows you like Earth as well as other sort of moons that are around the same size. And as you zoom out, you can see Earth get smaller and smaller and smaller in comparison to other planets, other moons, other stars, and out, 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 out. Until you reach the observable universe and... The universe that is unable to be explored at yes. the moment. Yes. That we don't the really know The estimated size of the universe. It's really cool. It's kind of like if anyone has been to, I believe it's the Hayden Planetarium at the Museum of Natural History in New York. If anyone has been there, you know, they have that central, or if you've seen it, you probably have seen it in movies or something like that. There's the central sphere where they have a video Thing that you can watch. And then around that sphere, there's a curved walkway that spirals out. And as you go down that walkway, you go through, there's, I think there's part of it goes through time and part of it goes through like the size of things in the universe. I was so, going to say, if it's time and space, you found a TARDIS. Well, basically, I remember little bits of it. And one part of it, I know it's a, it has parts where it says, it keeps saying, referring back to the, the central sphere as the unit of measurement. So it's, at one point it says, if the central sphere is the size is the size of the sun and then it has these little balls lined up on the walkway it says this is the relative size of these planets and if they were the actual distance from the sun they were you know this ball would be at this point this ball would be in chicago this ball would be in la mm. <laughs> you know or whatever okay and as you keep and it keeps zooming in as you go down so then it also goes to you know where you can see you know if this central sphere was the size of a bacteria then this would be the size of a cell this would be a size and it gives you sort of that uh, that idea of scale okay that you cannot grasp otherwise and this little i think it's a flash program allows you to do that. And it's really kind of cool when you get down to, you get either like all the way out or all the way in, and then you zoom back to the middle. And it's very much hyperdrive action looking. Yeah. Either it's, in reverse or forward. Yeah. It's really amazing to just sort of, to see these things and to, to try and grasp that kind of scale of the universe, which human brains really no, cannot. not good at doing just, it. Just cannot grasp. I, I mean, I always knew redwood trees one of the biggest living organisms on the earth. But to actually see it in scale next to a human? Yeah. Dude! Yeah, because as you zoom out, that human <laughs> gets smaller, and then you see redwood tree! Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, the human in this picture is teeny tiny, and the redwood tree is huge. You know, or that, you know, redwood tree, and they show redwood tree, and they show Saturn V rocket. Yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing. Yeah, you really it, need to see it. it and it, it will take some time to wrap your brain around the concepts of the relative yeah. sizes. Yeah, it's got some really neat music in the background, too. Yeah. <laughs> As I was saying to Maggie beforehand, this would be really interesting <laughs> to look at if you're stoned. I can imagine just bl it just blowing your mind. As much as it does already, to look <laughs> at that thing stoned, I, I don't know because I've never been stoned. Except on NyQuil. Yes, that that is very true. But I'm imagining it similarly like on Sleep Dep or something yeah. like that. Only bad things can happen. Either only glorious 
things will happen or bad things will happen. <laughs> yes. It'll either be terrifying or amazing. But yes, yeah, so that's H-T-W-I-N-S dot net. And actually, if you go to that address, you'll get a list of all their interactive sort of things in their videos. And this one is the scale of the universe, too. I'd like to try and see what some of their other stuff is. Yeah. Just because this one is so amazing. So furthering mm -hmm. into the universe and amazing things, does everybody know what a Faraday cage is? I do! I do! <laughs> I do! Yes. Yes, Miss in the front. Can you tell us what a Faraday cage is? Yes, Miss Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's a metal cage that conducts electricity around something inside it. Right. Is the lay person's so that, way of understanding So it, that whatever is contained inside of it, it doesn't get toasted to oblivion. Like, say, a human. Like a human. Uh, some of you may have seen the movie The Sorcerer's Apprentice, where said apprentice was working with Tesla coils underground and mm -hmm. had a Faraday cage on the inside, and he yeah. made the Tesla coils play a song. There's a group on YouTube called Arc Attack. You remember Geek Attack? No. You remember Gak Attack? This is now Arc Attack. As in... A-R-C. As in A-R-C. A-T-T-A-C-K. The Electrical Arc. And on YouTube, you will be able to find Adam Savage from Mythbusters. <laughs> Who else? Inside of a Faraday cage, while the electrical arcs around him play the tune to Doctor Who. And Adam is standing inside conducting and dancing, and dancing around. around. Really, that's some epic geekiness right there. Yeah. I mean, you've much. got science and fantasy TV and just doing cool things with both. Now, you say to me, okay, yeah, but that's not epic enough. Fine. I'll raise I'm you. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'll see you're enough, and I'll raise you. How about a Faraday suit? By the same people, Arc Attack, and instead of Doctor Who, you will be seeing and hearing the Imperial March from Star Wars. It is amazing. I showed it to Karen. <laughs> this man is wearing a Faraday suit, and it has the electrical discharges playing the Imperial March as they touch his gigantic iron mittens. I have no idea how he wasn't, like, voiding his bowels into that suit. Because you have, you have like, like, lightning bolts coming at your face in that suit. Maybe he's a thrill seeker? Maybe. Maybe? I would still be like, ah, damn it. And at this point, Knit One Gig 2 would like to tell people that this is not a good idea for a science project. Yeah, do not try this on your own. Do not try this at home. <laughs> And as a matter of fact, if anybody offers to do it with you for a YouTube video and say that you'll be famous, no, don't do it. Demand to see many, many other videos and talk to the people in those videos and make sure they are still alive. But for the professionals out there that know what they're doing, oh, hells yeah, they're making some pretty cool science. Yes. That would, that would be really Playing cool music see. with electricity. Yes! And playing cool, geeky music with yes. electricity. He does look like a bit of a, a hodgepodge knight in armor. He does, it, yes. It's, it's a little <laughs> bit of a hodgepodge armor, but... And now, last week we were recording while the Super Bowl was on. Oh, yeah, 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 that thing. But post-Super Bowl, we have more cool videos for the geeks. Yes. Including a new Avengers trailer. Sweet! And actually it was better to watch it online after the Super Bowl because it had more footage than what actually aired during the Super Bowl. Really? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think the the Super Bowl one version was actually only half as long because the full version <laughs> online now is one minute. I think it is. Okay. But yes, we got some new Avengers footage. I absolutely love Tony Stark's balls. Yeah. Uh, I I mean I I know that sounds really odd when you take it out of context. <laughs> I love Tony Stark's balls. Yeah. But the man has got to have a pretty kick-ass tailor to have cones the size that yes. he does. He, he must have severely modified pants. <laughs> Tony Stark is mixing drinks behind his own bar and just laying it out for Loki. Yeah. Saying, whatever you're trying to dish out, I don't care. I'm not scared. Yeah. I can I cannot wait to see that scene in context. Yes, I know. I don't care. It's kind of like I'm. I'm kind of expecting Jarvis show this man out, and the spring comes up and ejects Loki from the building or something like that. I can't wait. No, cannot. cannot How long is it till May Fourth again? Too freaking long. I know. Geek term. At least two full months. Two and a half months. Pain. Agony. It will be here eventually. Are we gonna go wearing like superhero masks and stuff? Hmm. We may have to think about something. Okay. Mm. We definitely have to go. Oh, damn. Like opening night. But what the hell? Yeah. We can probably get a bunch of people to go opening I could, night. I could call in stupid the next day. Well, I don't know if they'd have a midnight showing, but in which case you wouldn't have to call in stupid. Oh, but that much awesome. I'm sorry. I'm, st- I'm still sort of like squeeing just a little bit over um the Thor awesomeness yes. of all of that. Like when he does the jump and the land and his hair is just streaming behind him and, you know. Like Fabio on a romance novel cover? I don't think Fabio would be able to handle himself in hurricane-style winds. Because Fabio <laughs> never had that scowl of of concentrated frustration and grr. Grr, baby. And one of the other things that came out this week that I saw was a new trailer for Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, Really? It looks fairly interesting. Okay. It looks like they're, it's going to be maybe a little, like a little darker. Like Venom wasn't dark? From what I heard, that was just crap. Oh, that okay. Was dark. I'm sorry, no, I haven't it seen it. Like, no, it looks like they, they set it up so that the beginning is a little, a little more ominous. Okay. So it looks really interesting. So they're, so they're actually using this really advanced technique called a plot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Really advanced technique called character development. Wow. <laughs> that must cost them a lot of money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> What kind of CG do they have to do for that? We'll stop shitting. All right, all right, all right, all right. Because these are fandoms of other people. Yes. I mean, the first couple of Spider-Man movies were good. The first one I've, was fun. I've I think I've only seen, seen it once. I don't know if I've seen the second one, actually. I've, I've seen, I think I, I did. I, is that the one with Doc Octopus? I haven't seen that one, then. Yeah. I've seen Doc Octopus. The one with Doc Ock. Yeah, I saw the first one. But see, that was it. I think, it, you know, it just didn't really grab me. It's just, it's just not, yeah. Spider-Man's just not our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least that version of Spider-Man. Yeah. I should say. So we will see how, but like I said, the new one looks interesting. You know, so we'll I heard also that there's supposed to be another G.I. Joe movie. Seriously? Yeah. And what is a little bit bizarre, in my opinion, is like, the first one wasn't taken very seriously when it came out. I don't know what prompted them to do the second one. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure what the box office was like for the first one. I don't think it was stunning. Anyways, just what I heard. We'll see. Spanning the geek tech world and the knitting world, I don't know if I'm going to get the last name right, but it's Andrew Salomone, who has hacked a Brother KH-930E knitting machine. So he has hacked a knitting machine and is now able to pretty much use it as an image printer. So any image, digital image that he has, that he can translate into a bitmap image, he can 
print it. He can knit it out on his machine. The only parameters at the moment is that it has to be 200 stitches wide or less, because mm -hmm. that's only how many needles the machine has. Yeah, that's has. the width of the, the bed. But he's done things like he made a sweater that had all of Amy Winehouse's tattoos in their appropriate places. Okay. He has made a, it was a famous Bill Cosby sweater. It was an image of Bill Cosby wearing a sweater that had Bill Cosby, Cosby wearing a sweater. sweater yada, 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 yada. On into infinity. Yes. And the creepy picture of him is about wearing a balaclava with his own face knit onto the balaclava. Yeah, that looks kind of creepy. It, it is creepy, but, I mean, the guy's a knitter. Mm -hmm. We'll give him a few points. It is pretty amazing to see, though. <laughs> Especially when he sees some of the larger pieces, like the non-creepy ones, where he can, you know, really see what he's done with yeah. it. And it, it, it's very photorealistic, especially from a, from a distance. What can geeks not do when they set their <laughs> minds to it? What can knitters not do? And then finally, quite a few episodes ago, we mentioned the whole uh, DC Comics New 52, where they were rebooting all their comic book lines. And it's interesting, There's they've published the results of a survey that DC has done about the New 52 comics and their readers. And they found that the new comics appealed mainly to avid readers and lapsed fans. Uh, I think they said 70%. Of those that responded were avid readers, 25% were lapsed fans, so only 5% were new readers. Really? Interestingly enough. And apparently there were 6,000 surveys returned, which sounds like quite a bit, but then the article that I read in the Mary Sue about this also mentioned that there are two, there were 200,000 issues of the last Justice League comic purchased. So 6,000 out of 200,000, even just 200,000 for that one comic book line? Uh, I don't know. But one of the main, one of the really interesting things, or two of the inter really interesting things uh, that the Mary Sue pointed out was that 93% of the respondents for this survey were male and only 2% were under 18. Now, one part of this is that they mentioned that the survey was done after the first month of the new comic book. So that's only one book of each of these comics had come out. Right. So who knows if how many of those lapsed fans bought the first couple issues and they were like meh and never came back. It's kind of interesting that 93% of the respondents were male. And actually they said in the article that the terms woman and female actually weren't used anywhere in the reports. That's just kind of off-smelling. Yeah. And I mean, they mentioned that they were talking in the in the report about the male 18 to 34 demographic, but that's already their core demographic. Yeah, that's what they I got. Mean, with, the, with the relaunch, you would hope that they would be trying to look for more than the audience that they are than they already had. Say either in age range, like, oh, I don't know, the next generation of yeah. geek heads, or the females of the world. Yeah, the other half of the population. Slightly more than half. Yeah, I think we're something like 55%. Uh, not that much. I think it's more like 51, 52. Doesn't know. Yeah, they mentioned that part about the, you know, 2% of those people buying it were under 18, or 2% of the people responding were under 18. But now they said that, the, on the Mary Sue, they said the way that it was presented in the report was sort of like, oh, people have been complaining about the adult content in comic books. See, we don't need to worry about the adult content because kids aren't really buying them or whatever. But they pointed out if you're not getting a younger audience... What are you gonna do in 20 years? Yeah, who is going to be your readers? Who are your readers going to be in 10, 20 years? Grandpa, you're so silly. You're reading that Spider-Man comic book again? 
Yeah, because I mean, so many comic book readers are now are people that got hooked on it when they were in their teens, right? Or even preteens. And if you're not appealing to those readers now, yeah, before before the internet happened. Yeah, and I mean, especially when you have, I mean, at work we have a lot of younger teens, preteens, kids who love graphic novels and stuff like that. So, I mean, it might be that, you know, maybe they're reading Bone or, you know, the Simpsons comics now, and then as they get older, they'll look into, like, actual comic books. But you also, I don't know, you also have to wonder, like, you know, how many kids are going to get to that age and then not bother. Yeah. Or get to that age and think of comics again still as a kid and how how much of the, the idea of comics will still be as a kid thing. I heard recently on the radio, and this is pertinent, I'll just let you know how. I heard recently on the radio that the generation coming up is not going to want cars mm -hmm. because they see driving as too unitasking mm -hmm. for their multitasking kind of brain network. Mm -hmm. They would rather take public transportation and be able to text on their smartphones and etc. Yeah. So if that is too much of a unitasker, how much is comic books, you know, sitting down and reading something that's paper going to fit into their lifestyle? Um, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it did say in the report something about digital, the amount of people buying digital has risen, but there's still a large percentage buying the paper copies. I imagine a lot of the paper copies are going to be like heirlooms kept in yeah. plastic baggies or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and comics do have that, especially, again, especially since it was a survey after the first month of the New 52, which means a whole raft of new number one issues. Yeah. So... A lot of people would probably buy those issues in paper because, you know, 40 years from now, those will be the new number one collector's items. So a lot of people could, you know, I mean, people could have even been buying in paper on purpose in that case. Not because of the format itself, but because of possible future value. Or at least that plus, you know, whatever, you know, with wanting to read it. But I mean, and there's a whole bunch of other discussion in the article on the Mary Sue. I'll link to that one about, you know, what it means for like women. You know, they mentioned that there's, you know, one particular, oh, I can't remember the name of the comic, but you know, there's something that has a very sort of fantasy setting and it's like, you know, why it didn't seem that they were advertising that in sort of like major fantasies, blogs or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, again, sort of questioning, a lot of questioning of, are they looking to, you know, expand their demographic? Are they trying to hold on to what they have? Or what the hell was the point of this yeah. <laughs> exercise? Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, but it's just, there's, a, there's quite a lot of information in it that is kind of hard to sum up in a short little blurb. And actually, one more little thing, which I forgot to mention in the videos section, when we were talking about all the little cool videos on the internet, in the internet. Just yesterday or the day before, Webb's Yarn Store posted a video. You've probably seen a lot of shit in fill in the blank here say. I mean, we mentioned the shit nerds say. Yeah. It started off with, I think, shit girls say, which sounded kind of stupid. <laughs> but... Uh, Webs has come up with the shit knitters say video, which, you know, has one, all these video, little video clips of this one person saying, you know, things that we all say. Yeah. Like, I never swatch. Or, I always swatch. I always get gauge. Yeah. I never get gauge. You know, <laughs> doing that sort of thing. I never get gauge. I always get gauge. Did you knit that? You know, just that passersby. <laughs> or what's, oh, my favorite was... I shouldn't oh. knit while drinking? No. Well, that was one of them, too. I really shouldn't knit while drinking. My favorite was, I am high on yarn fumes! Oh, I could totally <laughs> see you in that. I could see you hey, doing Hey, if I that. was in the Webb's warehouse, yeah. Yeah. We lost Karen. Where can we find her? Just find the teal area. <laughs> find an area that has a lot of teal yarn around it, and you'll either find her in it or standing in the middle starstruck and just frozen. <laughs> Marco! Bolo! Elizabeth! 
Zimmerman! Nice. <laughs> Points for Karen. You have to lowjack me in there. <laughs> yeah. Where is Karen? Hit the GPS locator. I don't understand. This says that she's here, but I cannot find... Karen, come down from there. But there's a perfect color up here. You do realize you're breaking health and safety codes. There's yarn. If I fall on it, it will cushion me. <laughs> but yeah, so you have to go check that out. It's on YouTube. Yeah. And like everybody on Twitter has retweeted this thing. So undoubtedly you have seen it somewhere. Or it should be very easy to find. Okay, so moving into Cravings, Covets, and Crushes. Oh, there's so many things we can go after, but we'll leave the boys alone. For this week, at least. Yeah, for this week, at least. I have in my hand a cookbook. And yes, I do like to do a fair bit of baking and cooking, so I consider this to be fair game for Cravings, Covets, and Crushes. This is Nadia G's second book. It is called Cookin' for Trouble. She is the hostess on the cooking show Bitchin' Kitchen. I've heard a lot about this book, so I went to my local library... And yay, there was one. You want to you wanna skim through it? Yes, I will skim through as you talk. For anybody who doesn't know Nadia or hasn't heard about the show, Nadia sort of pairs stilettos, skull and crossbones, and big chef knives with rhinestones pleather. and pleather. She's basically very much a cook with attitude. Yeah, and don't be thinking that, you know, she's just all show for the TV. She's got tats, and she was... Her parents were Italian, like, you know, she was raised in Quebec for a while, and then she's got this crazy mixed-up accent and slang that goes all over the place, but it's very, very fun. And one of the things I heard about this cookbook, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to pick it up, is because they were saying, it's the funniest cookbook you've ever read. I'm like, okay, well, that perks my interest. I'll go have a look. Karen's sifting through it right yes. now. So... I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of the intro she puts for each recipe, because in a lot of cookbooks, it'll say something like, this is a great recipe to serve when you want to impress the new in-laws that are coming over, or something like that. This one says, you know what's even better than homemade pizza? Deep fried homemade pizza. <laughs> and yes, I'll agree with that. Aged cheddar cauliflower soup. This creamy cauliflower soup is kind of like the nerdy chick who magically becomes hot when she takes off her glasses and slaps on a pancetta dress. So, like Lady Gaga? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Lady Gaga is obviously a aged cheddar cauliflower soup. Da bird. Yeah. Behold the turkey! Now attack it with your face. Sounds good to me. I mean, like, this is stuff I would write. And she's got a bunch of different chapters in there, doesn't she? She's got... Yeah. She's got stuff um, just for students, for things that you could specifically cook on your hot plate. That is mm -hmm. legal for the dorms. She's got stuff for romantic recipes to share with someone and to try and impress somebody. There's the hand-me-down recipes of all of the nonas yeah, in her Nona family. recipe showdown. There's a bitchin' party guide, which has a do-it-yourself vodka bar in it. My favorite, chapter 11, happiness equals bacon. A whole chapter dedicated to bacon. I think it, it's a pretty awesome book. The photography's great. The food looks really good. It's not mm. a very you know, she uses stuff that you find every day. I remember when I first got into cooking and a lot of, you know, some of Martha's recipes. Oh, yes. You couldn't, you know, I don't have some of those things. Mm -hmm. Or some of those, you know, ingredients I've never heard of. But this uses uh, a lot of stuff that you would normally find. Yeah, in grocery stores. And... Oh, oh, where was the one about this one? I love pinto beans. The way they fizz and explode in your mouth. No, wait a minute. 
That's Pop Rocks. Never mind. Yeah, that's the bratwurst and pinto bean stew. And there is eye candy in here for those of you that like the bod. Yes. Of the male variety. Yes. On her show, and therefore in the book, she has male helpers. Oh, pierogies. I don't think I've ever had... No, I've only had pierogies maybe once or twice. Oh, so good. In the introduction for the student section, the student scoff fest, says the point is between exams, hangovers, and all that armchair activism, you ain't eating right. In fact, you may even have scurvy. Scurvy equals not good. Oh, there's a lot of yummy, yummy looking stuff in this. It's like, excuse me while my brain is derailed looking at yummy, yummy food. So anyways, Nadia G's cooking for trouble. Even if you don't like to cook or you you keep saying, you know, don't ask me to cook anything. I burn it. You know, I make the fire alarm go off, stuff like that. What the hell? Pick up the book and just read it and have a laugh. Mm-hmm. It's worth it for that kind of sarcasm written down in print. And they're out in the library. Not to mention the food porn. Yeah, the, the food porn's kind of nice, too. Yum. I wouldn't recommend reading it after dinner, or especially late at night. Because I know whenever I, I... Munchies. Whenever I watch the Food Network later at night, it's like, oh, oh. god damn it, is there any place that delivers yeah. this late at night? And speaking of salivating over stuff late at night... Maggie was thinking of making an order. Maybe... From Blue Moon Fiber Arts. Because I still have a gift certificate. And, as mentioned before, I only have one unused skein of sock yarn. Zivol mice. I need to increase some stash. Yeah, you do. So? And I will bring some of my stash to Knit Night this week. So maybe you fill out some of your stash with my stash. Okay. <laughs> we were also looking at Blue Moon Fiber Arts. Yes, before and drooling casting. over colors. Yeah. I think I opened how many tabs of uh, yarn? You originally had something like ten, and you narrowed it down to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. No, eight, because that's a rav tab. Yeah, I think I closed like two or three. Ooh, what's that? Sc- what's that yarn? I just spotted another one. Hawthorn. Yes, that's pretty. It's blues and browns and white and black and gray. And oh my god, I think I might need that one. But yes, anyway, so we were flipping through and trying to. Yeah, I found Heathered, and I really like I really yes. like that one. Oh, actually, one of the tabs was yours, so I only have seven. Yeah, you oh, we Storm. also found Morticia. Ooh, yes. Morticia, I believe, is a new colorway for Blue Moon, and it is quite sinfully yummy. Purples and blues and blacks. Like, this is what would happen if the purple shirt of sex got ink on it. What? Okay, my little happy place. Yeah, I think Morticia might have to be mine, but there's also, like, it's... Also, it's a decision. They always have such wha- like wild colored ones. Yeah. And then they have some that are a little more subdued. And it's always like, well, I like this one, but I also like this one, but I also like this one. And I am no stranger to wacky colored socks. So I love their yarn for especially, I seem to like it lately, especially for stockinette socks. Uh-huh. Especially for stockinette socks that I can work on while I'm at the movies. Yeah. Because their yarn is fairly dense. So I find it that much easier to knit without looking. But yes, so, oh, so many pretty colors. I want all the things. It doesn't matter what colors they've added or what colors they've retired for a while. There's always, like, at least ten colorways I would buy in an instant. Okay, if you won the lottery, would you get one of every color? One of every color that I looked at on the screen and was like, yes, I want. Okay. Because... There are some some that don't call to me the same way, but I'm sure they're really still really pretty. But yeah, every skein that I really like, because of course if I won the lottery too, I wouldn't have to work, so I'd have a lot more time to knit. So have you made a decision on what color you're getting? I'm thinking I can get Or what colors? So I'm thinking Morticia, Heathered. And Storm? Maybe Storm. There's one called Mad Hatter that's kind of zany. Ooh, yes. Pink and orange and green and blue and maybe... 
maybe black? Yeah, that looks like a gray. Oh, because you said you were going to have two skeins for you and one skein for someone else, right? Yeah, my brother that lives in Ottawa has requested another pair of socks. He sent me a picture of him him wearing his socks and showing where the hole was coming through. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I know you wear them. You're, you're knitworthy and you're in Ottawa, which is, you know, cold as all hell. Yeah. So since this is a gift certificate purchase, you know... Again, yeah. not like I can pay bills with it. Yeah. So, may as well. And two will be for me, one will be for him. I think that's fair. I will just be getting one skein. Morticia? Maybe. Maybe? I still haven't decided. Okay, you haven't decided. Because, as I mentioned, I am trying to get rid of some of the stash. That's true. Which may, which leads into something that we were planning on doing. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Very soon, we are going to start another knit along, crochet along, whatever along. Now don't panic. Don't panic just yet. This is something, if you are doing the Watson socks, you can do that in conjunction with this one. Because this will not be a create, this is not necessarily a create something thing. This is our stash down. Yeah, all of the stuff that you want to use up. Get or, rid of. Yep. <laughs> because we were thinking, probably starting around the end of this month, because, well for one thing it's kind of nice, this is something that, you know, pretty much everyone can do. If they do not have stash, if you do have, st if you do not have stash and you want to get more stash, then you can haunt everyone else's de-stashing page. Right. If you have lots of stash and you want to get rid of stash, this is a good thing. We thought it would be good timing because of course, you know, late April, early May is when a lot of the fiber festivals start happening, which is when you get a lot of stash acquisition. So you need to de-stash in anticipation of an influx. Yes. So, like I said, we're going to, well, officially start it later this month. Again, there's really no rules for this thing. If you want to keep track of how much you have de-stashed, go ahead. We are planning on having a little surprise. A little something-something. A little special something for one of you. But it will be a random drawing of people that are participating, not a, this person stashed down the most. No. Because that, of course, depends fair. on, that depends on, you know, the size of your stash. It depends on how much time you have to knit if you end up knitting down a lot of your stash. If you have house elves. Yes. <laughs> that do your knitting while you're asleep. But yes, so we will have a little special something for someone who participates. But more details on that later. Are you thinking of giving them Podcast Kitty? Nah, Podcast Kitty seems quite happy right about now in my lap. And rounding up for the night, are you a Doctor Who fan? Are you also knitting hexapuffs? <laughs> well, have you found the TARDIS hexapuff? <laughs> this is on Ravelry by Tara, and then in quotation marks, Marinera. There is a pattern for a TARDIS hexapuff, and this pattern is for free. And if, it, if you are joining us and you have no idea what a hexapuff is, it's a hexagon, a stuffed hexagon, from the Beekeeper Quilt by It is a knit, knitter's version of a triple. Yes. <laughs> Just Google the Beekeeper's Quilt. It is a huge deal now, pretty much. It looks like she also has a Dalek hexapuff, which is really adorable. Basically, you knit all these little hexagons, stuffed hexagons, in leftover... A lot of people are doing them in leftover sock yarn and things like that. And then sew them all together to make a giant quilt. And there's a lot of different sort of designs that people have been making for hexapuffs. And as I said, this one's got a TARDIS! It's basically got two sides of the TARDIS, with the door and little windows. Yeah. And little white around the top, on each side. It's pretty adorable. And once again, that is by Tara, and in quotation marks, Marinera. Look for TARDIS Hexapuff 1. 
Roman numeral one. Yeah, whatever. And it's been published at omnomnomstudios.blogspot.com. Yes. I kid you not. Yeah. That's om and two noms. Studios.blogspot.com. That's just a winning <laughs> URL right there. Yes. Obviously, we are getting to the point where we're going to um, say goodbye because Podcast Kitty has just gotten very comfortable. Yes. That's the law with all cats is that they get exceptionally comfortable right when you're about done. Yep, right when you're just about getting ready to move. So hopefully everyone who's participating participating in the Watson Along, which is quite a few people, yep. are doing well on their projects. Oh, and actually I should mention, like I actually got a chance, I actually changed what iTunes Store was displaying and I tried searching for us in the US iTunes Store. Uh-huh. We have a bunch of reviews on the US iTunes Store. We even have a few on the Canadian iTunes Store. Say what now? A lot of really nice reviews. Oh, we got nice Thank reviews. Thank you so much for everyone who has rated us and left reviews and stuff. Like I said, I didn't usually get to see it because usually, like, I can't buy anything through the U.S. store, so I haven't actually gone to try changing okay. the store. But thank you so much for everyone who has left us reviews and really nice comments and rated us, because that sort of thing helps when it comes to, you know, showing up in search results and stuff. Yay! And we are so glad that people like it. And one day we will rule the world. I just don't know what we do with it. <laughs> True. I don't want to rule the world. That would that would take up too much knitting time. I now rule the world. Okay, everybody carry on with what you were doing yesterday. I'm going to go knit. On that note, I think we need more dark chocolate chai. What yes. do you think? Sounds good to me. All right, everybody. See you next week. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K .mt-pockets.org. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek Two. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com/knit1geek2. Have a good week, everybody. Hey, want to buy skinny yarn? <laughs> Out there with the trench coat and everything. <laughs> Is this, hmm, now is this real Malabrigo at this price? Are you sure? <laughs> Come on, would a face like this lie to you? I got some dreaming, dreaming color, cheap. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>